the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good Saturday to all of you out there in Firing Line Radio. This is Rick Travis. I'm your guest host. I'm the legislative director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. Honored to be in here today filling in for Phil Naiman while he's out exercising his Second Amendment rights throughout the uh, Midwest and the Northwest and the Southwest and whatever Western areas he can find to go hunt in. Today, we're going to talk about something that Phil and I have talked about over the years with all of you, and that is the idea that, you know, here you are in California, and your rights in the Second Amendment are constantly under attack. You have to work with, you know, all sorts of draconian methods that other people in 49 other states don't have to, like the roster, a ban on this, a ban on that, a constant fight. And so many of you have decided Hey, what can I get from my house? And what does that look like in another state? Because I'm going to the land of freedom. And that's why we have no U-Hauls anywhere here in California, because they all left to take you guys elsewhere. But many of your compatriots that have already fled are starting to realize that the grass really wasn't any greener on the other side. They're starting to realize that what Phil and I have been telling you is that what starts in California goes across the nation isn't a cute cliche. It's a fact. Today with me is a good friend, an ally of mine who uh, fights behind the scenes every day, sometimes actually manages to squeeze 36 hours into a 24-hour day without sleeping. But uh, Costas Moros, who is uh, one of the associate attorneys with Chuck Michelle's office, Michelle and Associates, is with me today. Um, and so you're going to talk today with one of the ground fighters that is in this game all the time. And so, Costas, I'll just open it up. How's that national scene looking? The national scene is starting to look, Rick. First of all, thanks for having me on, I should say first. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. The national scene is starting to look like it's being directed by California. Uh, we are seeing now in this post-Bruin environment, to be clear, of course, Bruin was a huge victory for us, but now the anti-gun states are reacting to Bruin. And the arguments we're seeing in California are being made everywhere. As just one example, we saw um, in one in the assault weapons ban case here of uh, Miller v. Bonta, California submitted an extensively long brief arguing all sorts of nonsense. And then we saw much of that nonsense down to similar footnotes arise in another brief um, in, I believe it was uh, uh, the Bianchi v. Frosch case. I believe that's Maryland, if I'm not mistaken, but I read through the brief and it was, like I said, down to similar footnotes uh, ripped straight out of California. It's not straight out. You know, they changed it a little so it wasn't clear they copied, but, but they did copy California. Yeah, so it's it's not just, uh, and I, I I know someone might hear this and say, well, don't worry, I'm not moving to Maryland, I'm moving to Nevada or Arizona. Well, guys, I mean, I, I'm hoping, I'm hopeful for these midterms, but as of now, Arizona has two Democratic senators, Nevada is going bluer and bluer every day, I'm not going to pretend that they're not better on guns right now, and maybe they will be for the next five or ten years, but if this trend doesn't change, then we're going to have Californias all over the place, frankly. So uh, we've got to stand stand our ground, as it were, here. Yeah, you bring up a good point. And one of the things I know we talk about behind the scenes, but I'm going to let all of you on the inside know, is, you know, the Second Amendment isn't just about your right for self-protection. It is your access to ranges. It's your access to, to going to hunt if you choose to do that. It's your access to buy different types of firearms, go through different types of training. It's 
a very broad package when you're looking at it. And often each of us as individuals and collectively as family units, groups, friends, clubs, et cetera, can get myopic on the one thing or two things that we do and not pay attention to bigger picture where people like myself and Costas have to look at the bigger picture. And uh, none of us can specialize in everything. I mean, one of the reasons I love hanging out with Costas is because he has areas that he's very, very specialized into. And I can go, hey, help. <laughs> I'm in the legislature. What are they talking about? And he can fill me in. And vice versa, I, I'm more versed in some of the other areas. And I get a call from him, like, what's this about? And we talk. And one of the things that Costas I've been seeing is, like, just take the border states of Oregon, um, Nevada, Arizona. If you look a decade ago, as much as we can call Oregon a liberal you know, left-leaning state, they were pretty, pretty much more conservative than us in several areas of that Second Amendment defense, as far as hunting and self-protection. Nevada, definitely. Arizona, no debate, 10 years ago. But like, I will just tell you, in hunting policy, looking at things going up, you got that initiative. I think it's 17, I think is the correct number in uh, Oregon that is going to request that they have a, a, a limited capacity magazine of 10 rounds. They're trying to go for having to have a special license just to go purchase anything, all sorts of draconian methods. Nevada, I agree, is getting bluer and bluer. They're now starting to say, oh, we can't have hunt contests. We can't have this. We can't have that. So they're about seven years behind where California was. Arizona has now got some of those issues coming into it. See the same thing in Colorado, Idaho, like places that have been willing to go. And then you know, my own dad moved to uh, Texas because he was just done. You know, so the Marine moves to Texas, and I've watched him move from initially to Houston and went, well, they went to Libtard. So then he moved <laughs> down south. They went to Libtard. Now he's on the freaking Mexican border hoping that he can finish the rest of his life before it flips. <laughs> well, look, I mean, and a lot of this is totally irrational. Oregon is a fantastic example because Oregon, like, although it's politically similar to California in a lot of ways, it was indeed a relatively pro-gun. I'm not going to pretend it was Arizona, but it was a relatively pro-gun state until pretty recently. And Oregon has half the homicide rate of California. There was no pressing reason they needed to pass these bills. What's happening is a combination of both Californians moving to Oregon to escape the highest cost of living here and voting and forgetting that their vote changes things too. And also just Portland and other cities, they're growing and making the state bluer. So it's not like they, I can, I I won't say I understand, but I I can see why sometimes a state that's struggling with high violence like Maryland, which has been anti-gun forever, uh, I can almost see why they think uh, incorrectly, but they think that, okay, we need to crack down on guns, we have a violence problem. I cannot understand why a state like Oregon, which is very safe, you know, much safer than California, feels the need to copy California's gun laws. It, it makes no sense, but it's just, uh, th- there's no escaping this, really, there isn't. Yeah. I personally have a theory that it comes down to there were a lot of well-meaning nonprofits that got together for an idea, solved that idea, and then went, well, now what do we do? And then yeah. they ended up with stupid ideas and <laughs> caused us problems. Um, you know what? Let's start looking at some some number one things. Everybody talks about the roster. And there are other states now looking at a roster yeah. idea. So how important would you say on the legal side? I know on I can answer on the legislative side, but on the legal side, how important are these cases? And what do you say to the people are like, but we've been doing this forever? And you're going to have to keep doing it forever, frankly. Remember, this is something, you know, I forget who said it. It might have been Reagan. It might have been before him. But, you know, liberty is always one generation away. You know, you, you have to constantly fight for it. And I know that's tiring. And there will be wins and there will be losses. But you have to keep going because these ideas that California puts forward they get repeated elsewhere. And I don't mean to say it's only California. For example, New York uh, did their crazy response to Bruin in California, almost copied it, but for the efforts of CRPA to stop it at the 11th hour. We're sure that'll be back, but, you know, we bought ourselves a reprieve for now um, through CRPA. But 
these things, these states come up with these crazy ideas and they get copied by other states. You mentioned Colorado. Colorado's become, you know, a sort of Midwestern, Western California over there. You know, it, it's past magazine bans. It's past uh, assault weapons uh, bans in several cities. It, it's spreading. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's spreading. And I think people also have to realize that California is worth saving. The reason so many people came here originally and the reason I love it here, disp- except for the politics, is because this is a terrific, fun, scenic, diverse state with a lot to do. And we should not just see this jewel of a, of a place to uh, the anti-gunners, in my right. opinion. Yeah. I think one of the things, too, that we've, we've got to start talking to people about is a lot of people say there's nothing to discuss. And I had a great discussion, and we'll talk more about it in the next segment. But one of the discussion points that I brought up with this person who was very, at the beginning of the conversation, anti. Um, but I realized she was anti because she was just regurgitating things that she had heard, was we got to start asking questions. You know, like one of the things that came up in our conversation was kids. And, of course, none of us want kids getting hurt in schools. But, you know, I brought up to her, I said, hey, she was like 65. I said, during your generation, people went to L.A. Unified carrying 22 rifles on the bus. You had gangs. You had drugs. You had organized crime. You didn't have mass shootings by kids with guns. So what has changed? Well, guns aren't in schools anymore, but they are in schools illegally. Correct. But what changed and started to have that conversation, and all of a sudden she's like, well, why aren't we talking about what's changed? And I'm like, exactly. Like, open up that dialogue. Exactly. And, you know, just to close out this segment here, I mean, that's something I always point out. Semi-automatic rifles have been around since at least the late 19th century and became common in the 1910s and 1920s. Semi-automatic pistols and rifles were everywhere. And if you go back to the revolver, even before that, because it's not technically semi-automatic, but it's a repeating arm. Um, Same with lever actions. And mass shootings, you might have had one every 10 or 20 years, like, you know, the one in Texas in the 60s. But there wasn't a major one after that for 10 or 20 years. And we've gone from it being some aberrant event every 20 years to something that happens all the time, even though the weapons technology hasn't really changed. And we we don't have a, a good answer for that. Um, and that's why. But blaming guns and taking away our rights is not the way to go to solve it, because we have them already. Thank you for being with us on this first segment of The Firing Line, and we'll come right back with Costas Moros as we delve deeper into the fight for California. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice, no sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Plant Home Lending LLC and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM 590 The Answer. I'm sure by now you've heard interest rates have jumped up over the last few months, but so have home values. So what does that mean to you? If you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt, or you don't have money to pay your tax bill, or just needed extra money to fill up your gas tank, now may be the perfect time to do a cash-out refinance to consolidate those bills or get some extra funds in your bank account while your equity is so high before rates get any worse. If you or your spouse are 62 years or older, higher values make reverse mortgages that didn't work before work now. To see how we can make the numbers work for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. Ed Hoffman, Retail Branch Manager, NMLS ID 9921, Branch NMLS ID 2275209. Planet Home Lending, LLC, NMLS ID 17022. Planet Home Lending, LLC is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. 
See this? This is my boomstick! That's right, folks. It's Boomstick Radio. This is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. And as you know, each week on the Firing Line Radio Show, the conversation revolves around firearms, hunting, and Second Amendment issues. But one of the show's stalwart supporters has always been Vince Torres over at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Vince and his team of experts are second to none in their knowledge and passion for all that this show stands for. If you're not armed for protection or recreation, stop in at Bullseye Sport for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammos, accessories, and much more. Bullseye Sports stocks all name brands like Beretta, Ruger, Glock, Winchester, and many more. If they don't have it, they'll get it. They welcome all levels of shooting enthusiasts, especially ladies, considering firearms for the first time. Bullseye Sports is the best selection of prices every day. Stop in, mention you heard me, Philip Naiman, on AM590's Firing Line Radio Show, and talk about Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Near the corner of Brockton and San Simeon Way, hit the bullseye, go see Vince. You know, I, I really do appreciate his support because he makes this radio show happen. And folks, you want to be involved, go see Vince. He'll give you a great deal. Tell him you heard it on the show, and uh, then I'll get a great deal. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm Rick Travis, Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association, filling in for the great Phil Naiman. And today I have Costas Moros. Talking with us from the Michelle and Associates Law Firm that works with the California Rifle Pistol Association to defend your rights 24-7, 365 days forever, because that's what we have to do here in California. And one of the things that we want to really unpack in this segment is the idea of sensitivity and, more importantly, sensitive places. Sensitive places is a term that's being used in the legislation, in the courtroom, and in the public discourse. And it includes, you know, bus stations, docks, uh, airports, hospitals, other government buildings. And we're going to really unpack this to what's happening. During the Bruin decision, Justice Thomas was really clear and I thought put a lot of things out, Costas, as, as we've discussed before. But, you know, one of the things he said, you cannot turn the island of Manhattan into a gun-free zone. You just, it's not allowed. It's not legal. And immediately we saw California with Senate Bill 918 take everything that the the Supreme Court said, thou shalt not, and said, we're going to do. We saw the same thing in New York. Um, And then locally, we have a community that I'm going to have you talk about that CRPA is is suing over, because I think this is going to be part of the big battleground for the next two years, at least in the legislature. And so tell me about the Glendale case. Okay, so as you were saying, Rick, both New York and California, one passed, the other tried to pass a very expansive uh, definition of sensitive places. And what Thomas said in Bruin, as you were uh, alluding to, was that there are a few historically established sensitive places like courthouses, polling places, certain government buildings. And although he didn't say it directly there, schools have been, the school building itself, if not the entire gun-free zone, which we dispute, has been deemed to be a sensitive place. Um, But in the terms uh, uh, Justice Thomas talked about it, it was the exception to the rule. This wasn't something that's supposed to be expansive. And most sensitive places like courthouses are usually going to have security at the door, the metal detectors, you know, so although you can't carry your gun in, you know, there there is security there to uh, for the state to take over the defense. So when California failed to pass SB 918, uh, thanks to CRPA's efforts, we had arguments ready to go just in case uh, it did pass and they're ready to go if it comes back around. But we were sitting around and I, you know, I did all this work drafting this thing and I'm like, well, I got to beat someone over the head with it. So we found, you know, through one of my uh, senior attorneys here who told me about the Glendale ordinance. Glendale's had an ordinance for over 10 years saying that you cannot possess guns on any city property in Glendale. And there's no exception for people with CCW permits. So city property in Glendale, you might think, oh, that might be city hall. No, no, it is city hall, but it's also uh, all the public libraries, and they have several, over 40 parks and playgrounds. Uh, There's giant parking structures near the mall um, that you wouldn't know, but those are city-owned, so you can't carry them. So if you're going to the Americana in Glendale, uh, you cannot carry there technically. There's no sign telling you but you can't. Um, so there's all these places that are off limits in Glendale for carry. Uh, and we filed a lawsuit challenging that. 
Um, and I'm going to break a little news here today. Uh, we are actually planning on filing our motion for preliminary injunction as we speak. I think it's being filed. It depends on when we can get a hearing date because the court is booked up. But but we're going to be filing a motion for preliminary injunction. And before I turn it back to you, Rick, I do want to say one more thing about this lawsuit. As of now, we haven't included individual plaintiffs because of another law um, as, uh, is it, yeah, SB 1327, which has an attorney fee shifting provision. CRPA, joined by gun owners of California and Second Amendment Foundation, have sued, but we couldn't in good conscience until that law is struck down include individuals. That right. said, we do want to amend to add individuals in the future. So if you want to, if you have a CCW permit and you live in Glendale, or want to, or just go to Glendale sometimes, uh, reach out to us. We have a couple potential plaintiffs, but we'd love some more. Yeah. I think it's important for people to realize just how bad this was. Um, in 918, one of the arguments we used in, in helping to defeat it was there's many people, and I know not too far from your guys' law offices, that live on boats in the harbor. Yeah. You know, and before there were sensitive places like, uh, I think one of them was where all the stuff comes in and has to be checked by the State Department, transportation, everything to make sure it's safe. Okay, we all understood that. But literally, had 918 been signed that night instead of defeated, people living on boats that had legitimate reasons to have a firearm to protect themselves, some even had CCWs, would have immediately been in a position where they, they couldn't have those firearms anymore. I mean, we saw that in New York. They passed in New York. There's business owners in Times Square who could legally, even before Bruin, have a firearm in their business to protect themselves and their business, you know, from any criminals. But wait, that, got, that like, happens in Times Square. Yeah. Nobody ever gets shot. <laughs> I know, but, but they, you know, they had the right to, or, because remember, New York defined Times Square, and they're very broadly, it's not just Times Square, it's several blocks around it, um, going all, you know, a very long distance. But all those people got letters from from the city saying, oh, because of SB 918, you can't have a gun in your business. Not as, I'm sorry. Yeah, New York's equivalent to oh. SB 918. You can't have a gun in your uh, business anymore. They weren't carrying. They just had a gun in their business. So that's how bad this can get. So what we're doing with this Glendale lawsuit is because we know California, you know, they they uh, had a stunning defeat. They got punched in the mouth and they're not used to that. So they're going to be bitter and they're going to come back and try again. The point of the Glendale lawsuit, of course, uh, we do want the ordinance struck down in Glendale because we don't want CRPA members and other people who carry, you know, without knowing it, getting into legal trouble uh, because they carried in somewhere where it was actually not allowed. But the the bigger statewide point of the Glendale lawsuit is to establish some precedent against the second the sensitive places idea before the state comes back. You know, if we win, uh, if if we're fortunate enough to win our motion for preliminary injunction, and I think we have a good argument, then that will be you know something we can cite to in a future case against California's second attempt at SB nine eighteen. Or if we're really lucky, maybe California will at least narrow down their second attempt. I'm not going to get ahead of myself but, right. because they're usually not that sane. But that's that's what we're going for here. And. I also want to point out too, folks, here's a talking point. Within 918 was also the idea that are places of worship. And this is basically where they were putting businesses and places of worship in. The point was that if you were a church, synagogue, mosque, and you wanted to allow your members to carry a firearm to protect themselves, because uh, many of you don't realize attacks on mosques, on churches, on synagogues, cathedrals, is one of the highest unreported um, acts of violence within California. The California media doesn't touch it. There's been literally every year there's pastors, priests, imams that are killed, um, buildings burn, all sorts of things that happen. And what they said was you either have to put a sign that says you're conforming with what the government wants by telling people this is a gun-free zone, which makes those places a bigger target. And that's one of the things that all three religions um, you know, the Jewish religion, faith, the, the Islamic faith, as well as the Christian faith will tell you, we all agree. We're a, we're a sitting duck when we're having worship services. Or they had to say they were anti-government by not putting the signs up. They did the same thing for businesses. Businesses, you would not have been allowed had we not defeated 918, and we're still going to have to fight this, to walk into a business with a legal CCW unless the business put a sign outside that said we're going against the state of California's wishes by saying you can carry. 
which this is an idea of virtue signaling. This is an idea of trying to make people feel uncomfortable for having firearms. This is oppressive. It is not for safety because when you look at all the mass shootings in California and those people, the shooters that actually survived and got to go on trial, they all highlight a common theme. I chose this target because guns weren't allowed and I'd be safe from not being fired upon. And so that is something that you can go and say to your neighbor of like, hey, look, this is just common sense. Evil people want to attack the softest target that they can. But when there's a question of, oh, I could get shot back by somebody, there are unknowns, they'll choose a different target. We'll be back with our next segment here at Firing Line Radio as we start to further explore what you need to do to save California. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans! Lay down your weapons! Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm Rick Travis with the California Rifle Pistol Association as their legislative director. With me today is Costas Moros, a great ally and friend in the fight for your rights here in California. Both of us are filling in for Phil Naiman, who's out enjoying those rights. And uh, we're a bit jealous of him because we're both in our offices not enjoying those rights. But uh, we're, we're looking at sensitive places, and we were just discussing the last segment, the idea of both places of worship and businesses and how the government is trying to virtue signal and use this to further Governor Newsom's goal of not just suppressing, but canceling the culture of firearms ownership here in California. And realize um, during the last few weeks of the set legislative session, I will tell you, Democrats, Republicans reunited on one thing that's unbelievable that Newsom wants to run for president. Make no mistake. He is trying to position himself so if something happens to Vice President Harris, he'd become the new vice president. He's trying to position himself so he can run for the presidency. So he wants to bring this nationwide. And when those of you who have fled to other states or are thinking about it, just realize uh, <clears throat> your vice president, former attorney general of California, your uh, members of a couple of the members of the cabinet, former attorney generals of California, Bonta and Newsom see that as their next stop. and. Just think of what they've been doing to you and think that will go nationwide if they get out of here. We've got to defeat these guys here. But let's look more at like these this whole idea of these sensitive places, Custis. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on this a little bit more. I know we already talked about it in the last segment, but there's there is some more to talk about. Uh you you were uh touching a little bit at the end there about the what what we have jokingly called and actually put it in the briefing the vampire provision where pr- with a private business like a vampire you have to be invited in before you can come in <laughs> yeah. and this is the most nefarious of everything because as much as we fight the other stuff and we will if it comes back just like they're fighting it in new york right now um you can conceivably live with i'm not saying it's okay to be clear but you could conceivably live with a lot of these sensitive places sucks to not be able to carry in an airport or a playground or whatever but a lot of these you could plan around you could say well okay most days i don't go to playgrounds my kids are grown up whatever but you cannot you cannot carry as a practical matter um if you can't go into private businesses unless they have a sign on the door uh, saying you can come in. And how many businesses are really going to put up that sign? There's going to be a few. 
There's going to be a few places that are very pro-Second Amendment. They'll put it up. However, most, not because they're necessarily anti-gun, some are. But a lot of them aren't anti-gun. They just don't want the heat. I understand that. If you're running a business, you don't want to have to announce your political position at the door. That's why for all of, you know, our, our historical tradition, for property rights, the tradition has always been to put up a sign or a fence or something to exclude, to say, I don't want you to come in. No trespassers. You never have to put up a sign saying, you know, everyone is welcome if you're running a business, because the presumption is that everyone is welcome. Um, and so this is a very nefarious uh, uh, ploy by Hochul in New York, which California copied with their attempt at SB 918. Uh, and it has to be stopped. It's very serious uh, because there in New York right now, and the arguments is framing it as, oh, we're just respecting private property. This is just this is just like those signs that say no guns. We're just making the default that guns aren't allowed unless, you know, they choose to say otherwise. When has New York or California ever cared about a private business's rights? They force them to do all sorts of things, you know, against their will. Some of them good, some of them bad. I'm not saying every regulation is bad, but but all of a sudden there are these champions of private property rights. Nobody buys it. It's all about, you know, sticking it to gun owners. And, you know, when when Justice Thomas said you can't turn, you know, whatever a sensitive place may be, you can't turn the island of Manhattan into a sensitive place. But when Governor Hochul was asked, um, so where can you carry? Because she was enacting her new law and a reporter asked her, where can you now carry? And she said, and I quote, I guess some streets and sidewalks. So because uh, they've eliminated the subway because that's public transportation. So if you rely on that, you're screwed. Um, you know, all, all sorts of stuff is off limits, except for streets and sidewalks and some businesses that might put up a sign saying gun uh, people who carry are welcome. It's it, they're trying not only to infringe on our rights, but they're trying to ostracize us from society. And that's that's their ultimate goal here to make gun owner gun owners an aberrant social outcast group that they're trying to uh, get rid of. You know, it's interesting you brought up that because um, it's been a couple of years ago, but myself and Chuck Michelle were part of a focus group with some different um, gun owners from different communities trying to understand what people are going through. And so, you know, I, I've worked with scouts. I've said that on the show. I had a, a largely Korean um, Boy Scout troop, and I was kind of taken back because, you know, all the Korean families were, like, all big on their kids learning how to shoot, do things. And we had Democrats and Republicans, so by no means was it a conservative group. And <clears throat> we end up with this young man in his 30s, comes in to talk to us, um, very interesting guy when he said, hey, I live in Koreatown in Kevin DeLeon's district. And Kevin DeLeon was serving in the Senate, and I was like, great. Kevin DeLeon's really famous or infamous right now. <laughs> his his uh, <clears throat> issues, I would tell you right now, are totally normal issues. We saw it in the Capitol, so I'm not overly shocked by this comments he made, but DeLeon's people, if you think about it, during the Rodney King riots, um, they were all armed to the teeth. They defended their ground during the riots. And the guy looked at us and said, do you think the Korean people gave up those shotguns, those AR-15s and stuff? They didn't. He said, the reason you don't see us out was De Leon and others eliminated places for them to park private vehicles. And he said, and then they made it illegal to get on a bus. Now, he said, it's illegal to drink on a bus, but jump on a bus to go to the Hollywood Bowl, and it's a drinking party bus even though there's signs all over it says no, because they don't enforce it. But he said, if we said, hey, we want to ride the bus to go to Borough Canyon, Angeles, which are two popular L.A. County ranges, nope, can't do it. He said, we can't go. And this is something I want people to realize. When it comes to this sense of places, there's two prongs. This first one is we already have legislators being very creative in suppressing people's rights to move around with their firearms even to go get training, which is the most inane attitude to have because their their reason for doing all this stuff is people aren't safe with firearms. Where do you learn to be safe with firearms? At ranges where you go get trained. What are they stopping you from using? Ranges. Like it's it's an absolute lie that they're giving to the American people. But the second one is, you know, learning from history so you don't repeat its mistakes. Hollywood has told the story of what happened in World War II from 100 different viewpoints. But if you really go back and you really study, like, why didn't some of the German people see it, what was going on until it was too late? 
it's because it was this kind of crap. It's like at first, oh, well, this is a, a group of people, whether it be gypsies, Jewish people, LGBTQ community, whatever, that we don't totally agree with. So we're going to put this little tag on them or we're going to put something on their store. And then it just got amped up, but it was done incrementally. And that's what this is. It's incrementalism against gun owners and the gun owning culture. And if you look at it, they're trying to get us to say, well, that's palatable. That's okay. I'll deal with that. Okay. But we're being withered away. And that's one of the reasons, as you know, CRPA is coming out this legislative season with several bills. Um, no pine in the sky. Probably none of them are going to get past this first year. But we're going to do to them what they've been doing to us. And that's we're going to keep jamming them back. We're going to keep running them. We've got some people, um, in fact, some new people I'm hoping get elected. We're doing everything we can to help them get elected. They're going to join that fight. But I think, and that's what you were saying earlier, Costas, when you're like, hey, these are going to be long, drawn-out battles because every generation, you're right, it was right in the Senate that like, hey, you got you got to fight for it. But I really think we also have to start using our mouths and talking to our neighbors and going, you know, do you have to put a sign on your front door that says, hey, every solicitor, come dump your junk mail on my, my front porch? No. The sign you put on is, don't come to my front porch. Right. And and just make it simple like that. Since when has that ever been a thing? And the big thing I always say to people, and what is, are they trying to fix when they're putting this on? Like, have we had mass protests by business owners? Damn, those people with those concealed weapons I never see come to my 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 store and buy stuff. Nope. Haven't seen one protest. Haven't seen, in fact, according to the FBI, who doesn't have the best stats in the world, but according to them, for the last 25 years, a CCW holder is 400% less likely to make a mistake than their agents or police officers with firearms. I mean, and I, before we run out of time here, I just want to say that uh, I, I hinted, or not hinted, I announced earlier we're filing our motion for preliminary injunction in Glendale. One of the arguments I make there that we make rather is that there's, uh, we looked at three different states, uh, Texas, Florida, and Minnesota, just a, a, a random selection of three that have been issuing for a long time. And they keep track of crimes committed by people with CCW permits. And people with CCW permits are extraordinarily less likely than the population as a whole to ever commit a crime. And even of the crimes that they do commit, only a tiny fraction involve a gun at all. A lot of them are DUIs, stuff that's totally unrelated to carrying. The data is there. There's nothing to show that people with carry permits are a threat to society. Because if you go through the process of getting a permit before you carry, you're already demonstrating that you're extremely law-abiding because a criminal will just put it in their pocket and go out the door. They are not getting a permit. And there's some law-abiding people who also don't comply. I don't mean to say they're all violent criminals, but the fact that you're getting a carry permit shows that you respect the law generally. So we're going to come back on our next segment and we're going to wrap up this wonderful show talking about how you, the individual, gets more involved and who your true allies are and how we're working with them to help you know who those allies are and who they're not here on Firing Line Radio. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor to the show, Sean Gibbs of Ask Defensive Training Company. They're in Redlands, California. They also sell guns and ammo. But the most important thing that they have for you here today is their training courses. Ask 
Kind of an interesting name. Why would you call it that for guns and ammo? Well, ASK stands for Attitude, Skills, and Knowledge. And that's what they focus on at ASK Defensive Training. Sean has basic courses for a first-time gun buyer. If you're not familiar with your firearm, you want to be able to use it safely, perfect place for that. He has also additional courses for defensive handgun, advanced handgun, and even learning how to shoot a firearm in low-light situations bring your mag light so folks check them out at askdefensive.com ask defensive.com for a schedule of classes he's got a great store in there too so buy what you want train what you want askdefensive.com am 590 the answer this portion of the firing line is brought to you by vortex optics vortex the force of optics yes great hunter yes fine figure of a man yes 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 that is all you need to know for now welcome back to fine line radio i'm rick travis legislative director with the california rifle pistol association joining me is my ally in the fight for your rights costas moros from michelle associates law firm that works on all the major cases for the crpa and defending you every day of the year and now, after talking about sensitive places, the fight, the Bruin decision, we're going to come down to let's look at New York and California because they have something in common that we need to explore as you go to vote. We have a huge election in L.A. County that this could become critical, San Diego County. Uh, thankfully, the IE has already settled this back in uh, June um, because both these sheriffs, but sheriffs are constitutional officers across the country. They're different from police chiefs in that police chiefs live and die at the whim of the local city council. And so a lot of times they're having to keep their job by conforming to whatever the city council wants. Um, Some police chiefs, to their credit, have stood up to city councils and been able to effectively sway the city council to a position that aligns with the Constitution, and some have lost their jobs for it. But at sheriff's departments, it's a little different because they're elected and they held the lines. And some examples... In California, and then I'm going to go to New York and then open up with you, Costas, is that in California, we had an obvious use too. Chad Bianco in Riverside County here in the Inland Empire did a fantastic job throughout the pandemic of saying, no, you can't do that. No, we're not going to enforce that. No, that's not constitutional. He also did a fantastic job of delivering on a campaign promise to increase the number of CCWs and the availability despite the restrictions of the pandemic. That man did incredible work and has provided more CCWs than the previous sheriff did and has done so without an increase in anything negative like we talked about in the last segment. You had sheriffs up in, uh, like Sheriff D'Augustine in El Dorado County who held the line when the state of California and the governor tried to send in agents to to be, do some nefarious stuff and said, no, you're going to have to cross us. You're not coming in. You're not going to do that. and kept critical businesses open. You go to New York and you have the governor there saying, well, here's my law and this is what's going to happen. And you've got sheriffs now in New York saying, no, we're not going to enforce that. It's not constitutional. Folks, you've got to realize that this apathetic, inane attitude of my vote doesn't count is a lie. It is a lie that's fed by the other side. I will tell you as a lobbyist, my goal is first to get you not to vote. And the second one is to get the people to vote the way I want to. Because I changed the dynamic number of how many votes it's taken. That's part of what went on in the fight for 918. If I could get some Democrats just not to vote, we won. And despite the odds makers, we were able to do that that night. Um, can't promise that every day. But on that, that given day, in that given fight, we were able to do it. Sheriffs are tricky because not every sheriff is cut from the same cloth. Not every sheriff functions the same way. And Costas, you and I have been working on a project with that. And while there's a great number of sheriffs that I can sing praises about all day long, there are others. Let's talk about those. <laughs> and you might be able to guess where most of them are. Uh, let's just put it that way. So yeah, we've been working on what we've termed the CRPA reckoning campaign, which is this push to get sheriffs to comply with Bruin and all of Bruin, because all of them have 
stopped enforcing good cause. But a lot of them, because of their ringleader, Attorney General Bonta, have shifted to this good moral character, which used to just be a background check, frankly, because they if they wanted to deny you, they could do it through good cause. So now they're coming up with all sorts of other restrictions in certain counties, like reference letters. And the most ridiculous list I've seen, actually, and not to spoil anything, but it, CRPA is considering, I can't confirm it yet, but we are considering litigation, um, depending on levels of support and priorities and all that. Uh, but we are considering litigation. One of these counties, Alameda, is a top candidate uh, to, be our, uh, to be our county of choice. They get the privilege of perhaps being sued by CRPA. And what we've seen is they are requesting um, the number of bedrooms in your house, who you live with. They want serial numbers for all the guns you own, not just the one you're going to carry. Oh, and when I say one you're going to carry, they limit your permit to one gun. Um, they want the, the the purchase paperwork of every gun you own, which most people throw away. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. It's clearly malicious. And Alameda was the worst offender before Bruin because their website clearly said there is no right to carry. It's a privilege. So now they've had to reverse that, of course, but they have put in all these ridiculous requirements. Um, and they're not, they might not even be the only one. I know San Francisco, someone, I can't reveal the source, but someone provided me with a public records act request response in which as of at least a few weeks ago, San Francisco confirmed it has still not issued a single permit. And they're, I don't know what they're making all sorts of excuses, you know, policy, but it's been several months. We have some patience when things change, but this is getting a little silly, not a single permit three months later. So, uh, I guess you could say, although we can't confirm a lawsuit right now, it's not that decision is made above my head. Um, the, we're putting them on notice. They they should start behaving because that's coming for them. And speaking of behaving, one of the things that we have been talking about too is I don't want you guys leaving this going. Well, you say the back sheriffs and sheriffs aren't backing us. Those are the extreme on what I will call the radical left side of law enforcement. We have a lot of people in the middle who. We're not issuing a lot of CCWs. It was very, very sporadic. Who are picking up the pace? What a lot of you have to realize is they've got to gear up. They've got to get their departments trained. They've got to get, um, and a lot of them have had funding cut to get the people that are going to do the backgrounds, uh, onboarding a software system that almost is universal throughout all the departments. Takes about 90 days-ish to get it done. Um, and we're working with those departments. And there's a lot of departments that are making some incredible leaps and bounds. We have some of the bigger, more established departments that are upward unbelievably to the number of almost 3,000 new permits in a month cycle, which is like, wow. And I want to highlight that during all of this, we're now well north of over half a million permits in the state. And what you will hear the other side always say is, if we give someone a CCW permit, we're going to have the shootout in the OK Corral in their neighborhood. Well, Right there is over a half a million opportunities on a daily basis that never result in that. Never have. And I will even argue aren't going to. And so, people who generally get in shootouts aren't concerned about carry comments, just as a right. general trend. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings up another talking point. You know, when these stats come out, um, these aren't law-abiding citizens. When gangbangers are wiping themselves out in Chicago and they go, oh, we have a gun problem in Chicago, law-abiding citizens, FFLs, all these. No, those gangs are not going to their local gun store to buy their firearms. They're not doing that. They're not buying them from the private citizen, who, you know, going up and saying, hey, I want to go do some random, you know, drive-bys. That's not what's happening, folks. Those are bold-faced lies. And you need to start pushing back. Just don't be complacent and let people say it. In a nice way, say, that's not the fact. Here's some things you need to consider, because this is going to be an ongoing fight that takes each and every one of us. None of us right now at this point in history can sit back and say we've done it all. And when I hear people that are older than me say, I already did this, I already did my time, I'm going to take you back to what started this whole mission off for the Second Amendment, which was on April 19th. And that day is famous because that's the day when the British government came to its British citizens to take away their guns at Lexington Concord. And we had an older man that said, I'm not going to get involved, just stay off my property. Of course, the government never listens to its people. And so they stumbled onto his, his property. And at the age of 72, 
unrifled barrels, pulled both of his pistols and his musket and dropped three British soldiers. They bayoneted him. He remarkably survived giving the medical technology that did not exist at that time and went on to fight in the revolution all the way to Yorktown. I say to you, when you've done as much as that man for the Second Amendment, you can hang it up. Until then, we're all standing side by side fighting. Make sure you get out and vote. All the ballots are at your homes. Make sure you track those. If they don't end up where they're supposed to to be counted, then go to your polls and vote and get your neighbors, your family, your friends. This vote is everything. There are large swaths of California we can take back, and we have the capability where we stand as of this this show of literally breaking the stranglehold that they have in the Capitol and ending the absolute and making them have to fight for everything. So join us in that fight, and God bless and take care. Shoot, Felipe! Shoot! When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice, no sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. AM 590. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.